Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. The Morning Show. The Home Team. No, it's both. It's the crossover. Crossover, step back. Presented by Fully Loaded Pizza Kitchen right here on 960theref.com. All right, back from a little uh, 4th of July break. It is the crossover podcast. Chris Brain from the home team, David Johnston from the morning show. And we are presented by Fully Loaded Pizza Kitchen in Watkinsville and uh, now open that uh, great location at the old Waffle House building in Five Points. And we are in that. Uh, we're definitely. Hey, about to start to interrupt you. Uh, Carol and I went there last night. Oh, yeah? To the first time I've been to the new location in Five Points. Easy thumbs up. It was awesome. And guess what pizza we got? The home team. The home team. That's the home I like. team, I yes. like to pretend that is named for us, but I'm not sure that it is. I, but. but let me tell you, it was delicious. It was delicious. That place is cool. What's on the home awesome. team? The home team is actually a white sauce pizza okay. with uh, several meats. And we added uh, some uh, green pepper to it. And it was it was delicious. And I had a uh, an adult beverage, I, and uh, Carol had a glass of wine. We had a, a salad before that. I'm telling you, it was all it was it was great. Not I me. Mean, I'm not. I'm, I'm sitting here acting like I'm surprised. I wasn't surprised. I just I hadn't been in that building since it had been remodeled into fully loaded. But I loved it. It was great. They got a great bar, the TVs and everything, and the pizza was awesome. Yeah, the one I've been to in Watkinsville has the same setup. Obviously, great food, great drink, and they got TVs. So, you know, where you turn your head, you can uh, you can see some action that's going on <laughs> on <laughs> some screen. I told Carol to us that we're getting the home team pizza. So, you know, we're, we're going there. Yeah. And it was delicious. They've got a Walter White, too. Yes. Um, yes. Which they I do. like. So, no, I'm um, telling you, uh, we'll be heading back there very, very soon. So, yeah, get out there if uh, you're in uh, the Five Points area. You got a good, convenient location now uh, over there, plus the original in the Manders Crossing Shopping Center in Watkinsville. But, uh, yeah, we have definitely officially arrived at the dog days of summer. As we're recording this this week, we are 51 days until kickoff and just a couple days till the start of, uh, I like to call it SEC Con, in, uh, which is back at its rightful home in, in Hoover, Alabama this year. They'd put it in Atlanta last uh, a year ago, but uh, back in Hoover, and uh, the rosters that will be attending the event next week were announced, and uh, George is bringing a, a solid lineup. Jake Fromm, J.R. Reed, who went last year, and uh, Andrew Thomas. So Reed's suddenly a veteran of the event, and uh, I look at those three guys for Georgia, and I see, like, two uh, top ten picks in the future and uh, maybe even another potential first-rounder in J.R. Reed. So Georgia's bringing the heat next week. This morning on the uh, morning show, I went to the uh, Walter Football 2020 mock draft. Yeah. And it's like literally, it's just littered with SEC players and the, the first round of these guys that are going to be in Hoover next week. So, I mean, you uh, you basically, if you stumbled and fell 
on any of these players, more than likely they're, they're a first-round pick in next year's draft. Yeah, this I is think, a stud list of players. I think Alabama's three for three between Judy, Moses, and Tua. They are. And Georgia is uh, two for three with Fromm and Thomas. So they didn't have Reed. That's not included. They didn't have Reed, but um, DeAndre Swift is number right now number six. He was like the 16th pick, whoever has that. So they had uh, the latest one had uh, Thomas number two, Fromm number six, and DeAndre Swift number 16 in the 2020 draft. Guess you can probably guess who's number one, but hey, Andrew Thomas could end up being the number one pick. Yeah, do they still have the Dolphins picking number one? Yes. Okay. Yes. Would that I, be Tua? You don't want Tua? Do no, you? I don't want Tua. I, I would prefer Andrew Thomas and then get, and get uh, Trevor Lawrence in <laughs> twenty one. Well, that was what I was thinking. Is I think they had the Giants maybe number. T- uh, would it be the Giants number two? Which would make a ton of sense to get Andrew Thomas. Yeah. Since they just took Daniel Jones. Yeah. So I mean. I mean, it's and you know, to me, a guy like Isaiah Wilson, where you know, if he has a big year, where would he project? I think into he could, something like that. yeah, ultimately project as a guy that would be hard to pass up in the first yeah. round. Derek Brown, the the stud defensive tackle from Auburn, uh, was in there. Looking to see who else. Uh, Grant Delpit, the uh, defensive back from LSU. I'm just kind of running through the uh, the teams here real fast to see who else jumps out at me but there's a lot a lot of players in the sec there believe it or not there's several players that are projected first round picks that aren't uh even going to be in who yeah. next week like i mean you mentioned swift right off the bat yeah. would be uh would I be one of them. alberto from missouri yeah. is another one yeah who's not on the list yeah he i guess he i'm kind of surprised that uh Missouri didn't bring him. I was they, too. They are bringing Kelly Bryant, and I, and I like too that these the coaches have stepped up. And nine of the fourteen schools are bringing quarterbacks. The most interesting of all is Ole Miss bringing their starting quarterback. Who I mean, I guess we're I guess we we this is how we found out he is Ole Miss starting quarterback Matt Corral, who is uh, a freshman, but he's going to be at SEC Media Days. So I hope the other quarterbacks knew this was going to be the situation before it was put out in a release yesterday. Yeah, but uh, there he is. I mean, I remember him. He was a, a big-time recruit that originally had uh, been at Florida, but I guess when Mullen arrived, yeah. they, different system, so he ends up at Ole Miss instead. And he played? He, he got a few snaps last year. Did he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He played a little bit last year, so he was he's the heir apparent. Right. Although, wasn't he – wasn't he out on the field in the middle of that Mississippi State uh, little tangle? Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You're so right. I do remember that now. Going to media days. Yeah. So, well, maybe he could talk about that this week. <laughs> I'm uh, sure he'll be asked about this it. This week. I also do like they're bringing Momo Sanogo. So, <laughs> that's a good name. I love that name. Um, but, the, uh, but, yeah, between Tua and Fromm and – Derek Brown and Andrew Thomas. I mean, you've got that might be like the top five picks of the draft. Um, or I guess that's four guys, but yeah. I mean, four of the top five picks of the draft. Yeah, next I mean, year. By the way, that uh, Momo Sanogo had 112 tackles last year. Yeah, I guess that's, that's what a lot happens of tackling. when you play defense for Ole Miss. You're on the field a little bit more. Boy, their defense was uh, was awful last uh, season, but I mean, Ole Miss made you know, both of their. Uh, assistant coach hires they they hire Mike McIntyre to coach the defense and bring in Rich Rod to mm-hmm. to coach the offense so it's like an all-star team of coaches now at uh yeah. in Oxford yeah hey they're trying they're trying the best they can and I guess they're bowl eligible again right I they weren't yeah. last year right so no I believe they are this year yeah 
Now it's Missouri that we're not sure about. Missouri is the they're uh, in the appeal process for several sports. Yeah, well, they probably looked at their schedule and went, "We ought to try and stay bowl eligible this year," because <laughs> they got a chance to have a good year and they got a good chance to maybe even be undefeated when they come to Athens. How about that? How about that? And the fact they're bringing Kelly Bryan is cool. Yeah, talked about that too. He's all right. So he's had his first year at Missouri, but he's a veteran. So I'm glad they're bringing it. Yeah, he's, it's well, a story. He's, he's quarterbacked in a national championship yeah. game, right? Yeah, exactly. That's why I thought it was a little weird. Now the ACC does it differently because there's only two per team, but they didn't take Trevor Lawrence, or not? They're not taking Trevor Lawrence oh, to ACC not? media days, and it's like, why are you not? Yeah, see, that's that's lame. Yeah, yeah, I, I think like no no one wants to talk to anybody on Clemson's <laughs> team but Trevor Lawrence. <laughs> I know, I know. And but, I think the you know the SEC they kind of used to go that way too, where maybe you wouldn't necessarily have the star quarterback going or something like that. So I do like that finally, the coaches are kind of giving in and doing that because I mean let's be honest, it's like who who does anyone want to talk to on Alabama? It's two. Who does anyone want to talk to on Georgia? It's from. Mm-hmm. So you know, I'm glad those guys are are going. I mean, really, quarterback is the star position now in football, and that's. You know, it's the face of a, a lot of teams, and that's who everyone wants to talk about. But I think it's interesting that the SEC is really – they finally came around to it, and uh, you got nine quarterbacks going next week, only three running backs. And two of the running backs that are going play for two of the uh, bottom teams in the, the yeah. league because you got Devil Whaley going from Arkansas and then Keyshawn Vaughn from uh, Vandy. Yeah, and I, you know, I would say Whaley and P. Ryan, they're not in the top five or six running backs in the league. I would put – Vaughn in there is one of the and top Swift. four or five. And Swift's not yeah. going. But, yeah, but of the, th- what, three running backs that are going to be in Hoover next week, only one of them is what I would consider maybe one of the top five or six in the conference. Yeah, Vaughn. And then you got Swift, and those next up is what, probably, you know, some guy at Alabama. Najee Harris, yeah. for sure. Uh, then, you know, you talk about the guy at Missouri, Roundtree is another one. Yeah, Roundtree is good. And We had then, a hard time with him last year. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, you know, maybe maybe the other two guys, maybe they do end up being maybe top four, top five. It, it is – the the SEC's not running back heavy, I guess, maybe like it is some years with the with the names. But is that football in general – is that what football in general is becoming? Yeah, Not I think running it, back I, heavy. I think it has, and uh, you know, some of these SEC schools have finally finally adapted to that. I mean, I, pro- I mean, specifically, you've got Alabama, where Nick Saban. Not that it's hurt him, because he's been, uh, you know, he's he's built a dynasty over there. But two is the first blue chip quarterback he's had, and if he does end up going number one, you think Alabama hasn't had like a quality NFL quarterback since Richard Todd. Isn't that weird? Yeah. Yeah. And we're talking early 80s there <laughs> with the Jets. And they've had some good quarterbacks. It's not like they haven't had good quarterbacks there, but yeah, like you said, the going all the way back to Richard Todd, you know, there's people listening to this right now who have no idea who we're talking about. We may as well be speaking French. No. I, I was doing the uh, home team the other day with uh, with Tyler, and he was wondering that too about Alabama and having a, a premier NFL quarterback. And I went, the last one they had that was good was Richard Todd. And he just looked at me like, <laughs> who? Todd Richard? Yeah, no, no, Todd Richard, Richard Todd. Richard Todd. Todd is cool. Todd's cool. Yeah, I, I – uh think that is kind of weird especially when you when you think about Bart Starr and Joe Namath and Ken Stabler and then since since then I know you know they went forever without a Heisman Trophy winner and now they've had what two I guess with uh yeah Ingram and Henry and Henry but not on the quarterback side of things 
two two last year was I mean Tua wins that thing if he doesn't get beat up there, don't you think? I think he had it ripped away from him by yeah. Georgia. Yeah, I do too. Yeah, I do too. Yeah. So they were that close. I, you know, between Tua and Lawrence this year, who definitely enter as the two favorites for that, you wonder, like, is I mean, Clemson has to at least take a little step back defensively this year, which could lead Lawrence to have to play more fourth quarters and, uh, you know, end up putting up better stats. I mean, it wasn't hurting Tua anyway, because I think Tua did go into the final weeks of the season as the – the I mean the the heavy favorite to win the Heisman before he ended up obviously not and Kyler Murray stole it away from him at the very end but I mean Tua was only playing like the th- you know through three quarters of every single game last fall you know it'd be the ultimate irony is if Hertz wins the Heisman Trophy at Oklahoma <laughs> yeah well <laughs> like, wait is that an Alabama quarter nope he at, won it for Oklahoma and then he ends up the number one pick in the draft and then you know Lincoln <laughs> Riley is there like yep yep three years in a row I think I'm just I've looked at those Heisman odds and I see from from anywhere from like 18 to like 20 to one in that range. And I just think that's like he's got worse odds than Justin Fields does. And uh, I just think that's crazy. But how much of that do you think is because more is going to be put on Justin Fields than from? But then again, I mean, that that does sound like a dumb question because there's a ton put on Fromm. Well, and yeah. It's, it's not just handing the ball off to DeAndre Swift or Brian Herrien or whoever. I mean, there's a lot going on. Yeah, he, I mean, he's going to be the – he's the star of Georgia's offense. He's the star of a team that's going to be really good, that's going to be in the hunt for the SEC championship and, and, the, uh, and the playoff. And, you know, I think after that LSU game last year, there wasn't a quarterback in the country that played better than Fromm did. Not Tua, not Murray, none of them. Not even Trevor Lawrence. And so, I don't know. Fromm might be worth a flight to Clark County, Nevada to uh, to take. Put, well, I'm going little... out there next month, so if you want, just let me know. Okay. I'll I'll be glad to take care of you. Get a little piece of yes. him for the Heisman. Yes. Because that is a quarterback award now. Other it is. Than it you, is. If you're not an Alabama running back, it goes to quarterbacks. And then there was that one year in 05 where apparently no one won it. <laughs> That's what they tell us. Yeah. Although I think that was a running back that year, too. But other than that, it's been like pretty much it's quarterbacks. Other than Ingram, Henry, and Reggie Bush. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Since the. That's uh, why I just, I mean, I get it. It's the premier individual award in college football, but it's a quarterback award now. Yeah. And that's not all in the quarterback. I go stats, and I understand an offensive lineman or a defensive lineman, you can't always put what they do, what am I trying to say, quantitatively or whatever. But right. most of the time, the the guy who wins the Heisman, I say most of the time, some of the times, he's not even the best player on his team if you just wanted to go by position, you know? Yeah. So it's, it's a quarterback award is what it, it is. That's what it's turned into. Yeah. I like uh, – and it's a quarterback uh, from the East Coast. That's another thing you got to throw in there. Uh, the West Coast guys have a hard time with it now. Quarterback, East Coast, played a lot of marquee games, and you're on a really good team. From to me, checks all those boxes. Yeah. By the way, so how do you how do you decide if Tua was better than Quinn and Williams? You know, I mean, yeah. How do you how do you define that? I mean, in baseball, they would have war. I don't know. Does <laughs> yeah. football have war? We Maybe need they'll come up with it at we some point. We need wins above replacement. We do need that. Yeah. We do need that. Quinn and Williams was – he was the second or third pick of the draft. Yeah. 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 
so yeah, how do you how do you define that? It's hard. I mean, you to could with. you could try to make an argument that Quinn and Williams was a better, you know, that he was better than Tua, but how do you do it? You know, that's the thing. Yeah, they were both. I'm not trying to downplay what Tua did. I'm just saying the importance of what Quinn and Williams did for their defense is is kind of hard to measure. Or than any of Tua's O linemen. Exactly. Like even, I mean, let's for, for here for us this year. How do we how do we quantify that Jake Fromm is better or more valuable than Andrew Thomas? Absolutely, absolutely. Now the coaches might keep those like pancake block stats or something yeah. like that. Yeah, there's a lot of stats that are kept that we don't know about. Yeah, but we need football, those stats. Football's a tough sport, position by position. Yeah, it's to just say so one different. person. Yeah, yeah, is better than another. All right, uh, the crossover podcast presented by Fully Loaded Pizza Kitchen in uh, Watkinsville and now in Five Points in Athens. White sauce, Italian sausage, pepperoni, and ground beef. That's and the then we added team. some green peppers on there last night. The home team yeah. was delicious. I'm so boring with pizza. I just like cheese. <laughs> I'm I like, like the, a kid. Yeah, I <laughs> yeah. like that too. You don't throw any veggies on there? Sometimes, yeah. yeah. But yeah. I am just like, I'm like a, yeah, I'm a child. I just, I just need a cheese pizza and I'm happy. Hey, whatever works for you. Yeah. All right. We'll take a uh, break and then we'll come back. We'll touch on the uh, Braves as they get set to embark on what is not really the second half of the season, but what we've all come to uh, consider the second half of the season and the Georgia basketball non conference hoops schedule has been uh, finalized, so we'll get to that as uh, well. As always, you can download, subscribe to us on iTunes, or listen anytime on demand. The Crossover Podcast at 960theref.com. True Italian food has returned to Five Points and brought some friends along because Fully Loaded Pizza Kitchen is now open in Five Points, Athens. At the new Fully Loaded Pizza Kitchen, you'll find all your Italian favorites from pizza to calzones and baked ziti, along with sandwiches, salads, wings, and more, plus a full bar for beer, wine, and cocktails. It's time to eat at the now open Fully Loaded Pizza Kitchen at Five Points in Athens and also in the Manders Crossing Shopping Center off Mars Hill Road in Washington. All right, episode 94, the crossover podcast presented by Fully Loaded Pizza Kitchen in Watkinsville and now in Five Points in Athens. The uh, the Braves about to take on the Padres this weekend post-All-Star break and start a six-game road trip that will also take them to Milwaukee. And then when they come home, they play the Nationals, who don't look now are suddenly in second place in the division. So the Braves have got... Uh, an interesting little stretch of games here to start uh, the second part of the season with a six-game lead in the East right The Nationals now. are 15-4 and four in the last three weeks. Yeah, you know, over the last 30 games, the Braves and Nationals have the same record, 21-9. and nine. So that's good because the Braves have been able to maintain whatever edge they had. But at one point, yeah, Washington was 10 under 500. They were sinking fast. Now it's the Phillies that yeah. just don't seem like – They've got anything going right now. Yeah, I think the Nationals are the team to to even to really keep an eye on. And I, to, they scare me more than the Phillies do anyway. So when the Phillies were in second place and the Braves have the, had this lead, I was like, oh, the Braves are they're a lock to win the division. I still think the Braves are in a, a comfortable position here, but I'm, I'm less assured by that. I think the Nationals are actually more of a legitimate threat. And we might find out a lot about that. That's a four-game series, uh, which starts basically next week. Yeah, they got a little tricky little road trip here with the Padres and the Brewers and then the four-game series at home against the Nationals. They still got 14 games to play against the Nationals over the last, what, 70-so 70, 70 games. 
So they got a lot. Let's see, how many games have the Braves played? 54 and 37. What does that come out to? Oh, I was told there would be no math. 91. 91. All right. So basically about 70 games left in the season. And 14 of those are against one t- against the Nationals. So you can do the math there, 14 out of 70. So that's a, you know, a basically – 15, 16%, something like that. They have a lot of games to play against them. Well, and unfortunately, the Braves have already played 12 of their games against the Marlins. Yes. And they've gone 10 and 2. Yeah, luckily, yeah, 10 and 2. So, but you can, so it's, what are they, 17 games over 500, and almost half of that is just basically the Marlins. Half the Marlins. But that's how the Braves won the division last year, is they crushed the East. Yeah. They had a losing record against the Central, West, and American League, but yeah. they crushed the East. Yeah. This year it is different. They've actually dominated the Central. Yeah. The West they've had problems with, but they've dominated the Central, and they've they've dominated the Marlins. They really haven't dominated the their division. Um, well, other they started than out 0-3. The <laughs> yeah. And now I guess they're right around 500 against the, yeah. uh, against the, the, the Phillies. I think they're – a little below 500 against because that two-game series, the Nationals swept them in Atlanta, and I guess they won two or three because yeah. they've only played like five games, right? Yeah, yeah. it hadn't been many. I yeah. mean, they got it stacked where they're playing just so many games against the division over the last two and a half months or whatever. It starts next week with the uh, with the Nationals. And I think they're a couple over 500 against the Mets right now. The Mets have beaten them some, but... Now, are the Mets a mess? Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. But I do, I do love that they show up at, uh, like, the All-Star game and they win the home run derby. Yeah. And they, I mean, even made some big plays for the NL in that, that All-Star game. But it's like, that's where the Mets shine when the, it doesn't matter. I, if this makes you feel any better, Georgia fans, I did go back and do a little quick uh, check on Pete Alonzo. So he played for the Gators in 14, 15, and 16. They came to Athens in 15. And I think they might have won two out of three, but he went 0 for 9. Oh, okay. So, Pete Alonso did not get a hit that weekend. Excellent. Yes. So, he's been – well, he, I guess he's been dogged sort of. Sort even of, if his yeah. team won. Yeah. So, how many Mets have been dogged? DeGrom, Alonso? <laughs> in fact, I mean, uh, Alonso was 5 for 25 against the dogs in his career. Okay. So, not, not great numbers. It was his junior year he had a pretty big weekend. But even his freshman year, he was uh, – a platoon guy, like one of the games he didn't even play in. So he only made one trip to Athens? Yeah, 14 and 16 were in Gainesville. So he came to Athens in 15. And went hitless. And went hitless. There you go. Take yes. that, Pete Alonzo. Take Alonzo. that, Pete Alonzo. Although I will have to say, did you watch the All-Star game? I didn't see the All-Star game. Okay. I did end up watching some of the home run okay. derby, and I couldn't well, they figure had the, out. You know, they had the players mic'd up a lot in the All-Star game. And I thought it was really, really good. And I know the ratings were not great for the All-Star game, but there was a play where Alonzo was – it was the inning he was mic'd up in the field, and there was a play at first where he had to stretch. And uh, he made a really good play, and it was one that they had to review. And when it, when he first came off the bag, he's oh, I don't think I held, I kept my foot on the bag. You know, he's talking to them. And then, and then he like he's looking up at the boys. Oh, I did. He goes, "Oh hell yeah, <laughs> I kept my foot on the back." It was yeah. really cool. So that, they ought to do that in like real games. My gut player. I know. I th- it, you know they didn't have all this these interviews in the booth and all that stuff. The interviews were Joe Buck interview and Smoltz. He didn't really do a whole lot of it, but it was Buck talking to the players while they were in the field. I thought it was really good stuff. Yeah. No, I, that does it. That would yeah. be interesting yeah. if they would do that. 
You know, they, they could put a three-second delay if the player had to <laughs> yeah. throw an expletive out there or something. Yeah. I mean, there was at one point they had a mic on um, Cody Bellinger and Christian Yelich at the same time while they were in the field. They had three of the Astros together while they were in the field. I thought it was I thought it was good stuff. Yeah, I know. Like Tyler mentioned that to me too. That I I think Joe Buck asked Charlie Blackman if he thought the Rockies were good enough to make the playoffs. <laughs> like, gee, I wonder how he's going to answer that question. <laughs> yeah. Well, that is uh, that is uh, you know, one of the I was like they were asking about his beard. Charlie Blackman finally, you know, he admitted because that was a good interview too. Because Blackman, uh, Joe asked him about his wife, and he goes. My wife, my wife's only known me since I've had this beard. Okay, she, she's he goes. She, he's she's never seen me in person without it. Right. So, so I thought she, that was kind of funny. So if she agreed to marry him with that beard. With that. She's not in a position to demand he <laughs> shave it. Then exactly. It, was, it wasn't something that happened after they got married. Right. But I thought that's the kind of stuff that was kind of cool. And he's like standing out in center field or wherever he was. Having this conversation. Yeah. I like that. Like, all right, I, in a real game, you couldn't have the announcer, right. like, bothering the guy right. with an interview. But maybe they could at least be mic'd and you could hear kind of, like, and you play know, it back. the interaction and stuff. They had a good um, back and forth with Francisco Lindor, and um, he was at shortstop, and they were asking him questions about, you know, are you looking at the catch? Things I thought were kind of, you know, that – you would assume yes, but maybe you know the average fan may not know. But they were like, "Are you watching the catcher? What you know? What pitch is coming?" So you he's like, "Well, yeah, of course." And then Lindor started um, telling them, "Okay, now we're going fastball away." You know, he was calling Positioning the pitches the for them. Yeah, yeah, and he was telling what was coming just so you could kind of get a feel of it. It's actually pretty cool. Yeah, I like that. No, that might be something to baseball to think about. They do because they just have the they, they, baseball struggles with marketing its players. Yeah, I I don't know if it's baseball or if it's the players or or what. Well, listen, some of it too is like the really the fun, young, exciting ones. They don't really speak yeah. English. I mean, Acuna would be one. You watch Vlad Guerrero yep. in the uh, the home run derby the other night. Yep, and they Good don't grief. Yeah. Holy cow. I mean, he has eight home runs. Like Before the home run derby, like, well, why is he in the home run derby? And then he <laughs> always hits you know. 100. <laughs> oh, my God. So he's hit 99 home runs this year, right? 91 in the derby and eight in the regular yeah, season. Yeah. His next homer will be his 100th. Of the year, yeah. Yeah, take that, Barry Bonds. Yeah. <laughs> well, the balls are juiced now, apparently. Yeah, apparently they are. Uh, all right, as we wind down uh, today's edition of the Crossover Podcast, the Georgia basketball schedule, at least the non-conference portion, finalized earlier this week. And uh, we now know the premiere date of Ant-Man at Stegman Coliseum will be November the 5th, a Tuesday night against Western Carolina. So Georgia's not doing – Georgia had been getting into the like the, the men's and women's doubleheaders the night before a football game, but this is just – Tuesday night. I'm sure there's a game that week. I guess that's the uh, that's the Missouri the, game, right? The week of Missouri. Yeah, correct. And we're playing Tech on a Wednesday night the week before, or the week of Texas A&M. Yeah, and we play Delaware State the week before we go to Auburn. Uh, yes. So yes. So maybe when the women's schedules announced, maybe there will be a doubleheader or something. You know, at some point. But as of now, yeah. Uh, a couple of thoughts on our schedule. See if the the uh, and the, I think and I'm not cri- being critical of Georgia here. The the home schedule's somewhat underwhelming. You have the um, the game against Tech, and I'm just talking non-conference. Uh, you have the game against Tech. There's the game against SMU, and um, 
I I think wouldn't you say it's like okay we've got this young team we're in transition let's build into the season I do like the way you have the first three or four games and then there I mean that Maui uh, tournament could be a a beast because there's some some really good teams yeah. out there and then you come back and then you start kind of ramping it up a little bit I didn't realize that the um, the Memphis game is part of the SEC leftovers versus the American. That's how that's where that came from. So the big uh, the SEC Big Twelve challenge has ten teams. So the ones not in that are doing yeah. the American. So South Carolina, Georgia, Ole Miss, and Vandy are all playing an American Athletic Conference team. Okay. So that's why Georgia's got Memphis on the schedule. But as you pointed out on the home team the other day, that could be the top two picks in the in the draft, right? Yeah. I mean, I don't know what the rest of the college basketball schedule is going to look like on January 4th. I don't even know what day of the week that is. That would be a Saturday. Okay. I mean, that's got to be the – that'll be the premier, like, marquee game in college basketball that afternoon because it's James Weissman and, uh, and Ant-Man. Yeah. So you've got – so I think the one thing – and I, I agree with it. The home schedule is kind of like, other than Tech, pretty lousy. But what Georgia's done this year, it's put itself in really like these it, – it's going to get a lot of national television exposure because that Maui Invitational has a loaded field and Georgia's going to have Edwards. So they're going to get a lot of attention playing out there. And I'm t- that game at Memphis is going to be, yeah. I think, a, a, a big national deal just because you've got those top two prospects squaring off. And, like, you know, it's – Georgia playing Memphis. It's not like, oh, North Carolina and Duke and come watch the top two picks of next year's draft. No, it's with Georgia and Memphis, and here are the top two picks of next year's draft. Yeah, no, that's awesome. And I'm 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 assuming that's not by accident. I mean, if the SEC and the American got together and said, All right, how do we want to do this? Yeah, let's that's do it. it this way. Yeah. And I think that's actually very cool. And and don't forget too, for the uh for Georgia's eight home games. I'm sorry, nine home games in the conference, not eight. Nine home games in the conference. Auburn's coming to Athens. Florida's coming to Athens. Kentucky's coming to Athens. Um, South Carolina's coming to Athens. Tennessee's coming to Athens. So th- this is a good year on the home portion of the schedule where all the big rival teams are coming to Athens. So I, I like that also. So I like the way the schedule is put together here where it feels like they're kind of trying to ramp up and let the team get the experience as it heads into conference play. Yeah, and then you'll have some big home games in in conference yeah. play with all those big names coming to yeah. uh, to Stegman again. Kentucky, Auburn, Florida, Tennessee. Yeah, I know maybe a couple of those teams may not be what they were last year, but it's still it's the rival games. Too. Yeah, yeah. That trip to Arizona State comes after that exam break, which has not been a. <laughs> That's a revenge game for the dogs. Yeah, but going on the road after that hasn't been good. Do you remember last year Arizona State came here and then they just stayed and played like at Vandy like three days later? Yeah, that was like one of the last games Vandy they won. won. Yeah, think. Vandy beat them. Yeah, yeah. Because they were zero and nineteen in the SEC. Chris, Vandy baseball won more national championships this year than Vandy basketball won SEC uh, games. Yes, they did. Ouch. Yeah. That's why Vandy basketball has a new coach. Has a new coach, yes. Which is an interesting hire, but. 
yeah, we'll see how they do with between between that and then like Penny Hardaway at Memphis and then I know. <laughs> Michigan hired Jawan Howard. Exactly. I, I mean, I remember like that when Georgia would have a vacancy. Hey, let's hire Dominique. And thinking that's a crazy <laughs> idea. Now, like schools are doing that. doing that. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I know. I'm glad though. I love Neek. Yeah, he, I'm glad no, he's yeah. not been the. He head. was too good a player. He was he too good a coach. player, and you just hate to get put in a position where I'm not saying he would have failed, but if you'd had to make a coaching change, you're having to basically fire your all-time greatest player. I just that's no, not good. He serves a greater purpose being on Hawks broadcast. <laughs> he is a, absolutely. Yeah. All right, uh, Dave, that's a wrap. Episode 94 of the Crossover Podcast presented by Fully Loaded Pizza Kitchen in Watkinsville and in Athens. Go eat the home team. Yeah, the home team. They got the Walter White, or if you just want a plain old cheese pizza, they do that very well, They'll do that for you as well. And they'll bring you cold beers. Cold beer to wash it all down. We'll uh, come back next week, and we'll be be able to break down media days. Yes. Uh, Dan (laughs) Mullen will open his big mouth on Monday. George is scheduled to go on Tuesday. So uh, we'll have a whole a whole SEC con recap for you ready to go next week. Again, as always, subscribe to us on uh, iTunes, download us there anytime or listen on demand whenever you want on our website 960theref.com. For Dave, I'm Chris. This has been the crossover podcast on 960theref.com. You've been listening to the crossover presented by Fully Loaded Pizza Kitchen on 960theref.com.